0: This month's episodes are sponsored by Crossway, publisher of the English Standard Version of the Bible and many helpful Bible resources, such as the ESV Bible with Creeds and Confessions. This resource contains 13 important creeds and confessions from church history placed after the ESV text, including the Apostles' Creed, the Belgic Confession, and the Heidelberg Catechism. With introductions written by Chad Van Dixhorn, you will come away with a better grasp of history and original purpose of each historical articulation of the Christian faith, Available in True Tone, True Tone Overboard, and premium goatskin leather. Learn more at crossway.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Okay, this is take two. I just recorded the first three minutes, and it was completely, uh, the microphone wasn't on. So here we are at take two. Welcome to the Shepherd's Script Podcast. I am very excited to be interviewing a couple buddies of mine live today down here at the big, booming metropolis of Cobden, Illinois, home of the Appleknockers, 1964 state runner-up uh, in the state high school basketball championship, Appleknockers. I'm down here at Cobden First Baptist with Pastor Ed and Pastor Matt. You guys doing good? Doing well. Doing good, yes. yes. Appreciate, Appreciate you having us. Thanks for the patience hey. re- redoing this. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's pray and then I'll get get some introductions here. We're going to talk about the sufficiency and the errancy of scripture today. And we might talk about hunting a little bit as well, but I'll let you get to know these guys first okay. before we before we get into that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, give us wisdom and direction. Thank you for your, your kindness to us, your patience with us. And we thank you for the gospel of Jesus that unites us as brothers. And all the listeners who are listening in that are in Christ Jesus. We are united with blood that runs thicker than water. And we just thank you for that. And so thank you for the blood of Christ that unites us. And Lord, leads the discussion. I I trust that you're going to. I thank you for Pastor Ed, Pastor Matt, and uh, the conversation we're going to have. So Holy Spirit, just put a big spotlight on Jesus. I trust that you will. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Ed, we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, and then what it is that you do here at Calvin First. Okay, well,
1: um, I'm uh, married to Miss Tiffany Falgett uh, for 26 years now and uh, God's blessed us with, um, with four beautiful kids. Uh, I have a 21-year-old named Hunter, a 19-year-old named Hannah, a 16-year-old named Caleb, and a 15-year-old named Luke. And so I was saved in my early 20s and um, ended up at a Florida Baptist Theological College there on the, in the panhandle of Florida. And in 1995, uh, in my senior year, we started a church in South Georgia. Uh, in a community called Homerville um, it would become Trinity Baptist Church and we were there for 17 years mm. and uh, then I just uh, I, don't know, I just had a stirring in my soul a desire uh, to uh, to do some some work at Southern Seminary and uh, wanted to get closer to the campus um, and uh, so anyhow we just uh, got open a door for us to come to Cobden and uh, so we came here in 2012, and we're in our ninth year of, uh, of ministry now, and uh, it's been good. good. It's been good,
0: yeah. Very cool. Okay, Matt, tell us same thing. A yeah. Family, about yourself, uh, and then what you do here. Oh, yeah, and Ed Falcons a senior pastor here, or lead pastor. What's Co- your title? Co-pastor. Co-pastor, right? Well, that's what we call ourselves yeah, yeah. in our church today, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Like, co-pastoral ministry. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matt?
2: so my name's uh, Matt Hartline. I'm Uh, Co-pastor here at First Baptist Cobden, Um, been here for going on the ninth year. So uh, Ed got here January 2012, and I was here August 2012, Um, and married to my wife, uh, Carrie. We have two children, uh, Lily and Judah, and um, been here uh, in Union County my whole life. Never lived anywhere else. Uh, you so didn't play baseball at. It. Did you play at I did Logan? play. Yeah, I played Perry. baseball at Logan, yeah. and uh, and was going to continue on that, but uh, at that point in time, I was I was done with uh, school and wanted to get a job. So uh, I was uh, a um, telecommunicator at Union County Sheriff's Department for two years, and then for four years I was a road deputy, and then in. Kind of in that time uh, around 2008, uh, the Lord did a a massive uh, uh, awakening, if you will, in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple years later, felt the call into ministry. And um, and then two years later, uh, here I am at First Baptist Cobden. Awesome!
0: Praise God! Yeah, it it really is. It's neat to hear your stories, and then to hear about Cobden First Baptist, because Cobden is known for. I mean, I guess basketball and sports, but um, for the little Mexican food joint down here, oh, yeah. over the last ten years or however long, very, very good. And right here in Southern Illinois, I mean, God is doing a really neat work mm-hmm. here in Copley. I mean, how, so 2,000, 3,000 people in Copland? Okay. Yep. Oh, Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred people. Yeah, way overestimated. I think we, and I think we, we actually rounded up. <laughs> okay.
1: It's really
0: yeah, it's actually literally considered a village. Okay. Yeah. Really. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you still have a high school. Very competitive. In fact, this year, Cobbet High School's basketball team before the shutdown didn't weren't they going state or didn't they almost make it to state?
2: So the baseball team a couple of years ago won state.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Okay. So two questions, and we'll get into the important stuff on inerrancy and sufficiency of Scripture. But uh, so you're in law enforcement? Yes. Um, I just sold a Smith and Wesson 38 Special revolver because I wanted to get. It was a hand. It was a, it was given to me. Sold it and purchased a Taurus G2C, which is not a reputable brand compared to the Smith and Wesson. Was that a bad decision? I mean, have you shot it? I haven't shot it yet. I got to pick it up. Well, get back to me after you shoot it. Okay, then we'll, then we'll talk. I've heard great things. <laughs> have you heard? Great, have you heard about that gun, the Taurus uh, G2C? It's count? a carry gun. What caliber it, is it? It's a it's a it's a nine millimeter. Okay, and I've got a High Point nine millimeter, which is like a hundred and fifty dollar gun. How long's the barrel? It's just like three. I mean, it's short. I it's, the a it's a gut like, bus like, huh? To it, gut yeah, it's a gut buster. It's it's a concealed carry gun, just a small gun, but it's supposed to be very. Yeah. Uh, the reviews are great for like a budget gun, but uh, I got rid of that revolver. I didn't want to. I didn't want to you know carry around a revolver I guess I'm showing my cards here about here. <laughs> you know my dad's I, a
2: big revolver fan he said it, one thing you'll you'll never have to worry about you'll never have one jam on you
0: yeah I know that's the that's the thing about that that I <laughs> but he's old school about. okay he's old school all right so now the the next curveball question here I want to hear the just a, an animated story about the first white white-tailed deer that you ever killed from both of you.
1: Yeah, mine's easy. My dad took me on a parent-child hunt when I was 11 years old okay. to an island off the Savannah Coast, oh my. one of the bare air, uh, islands. It was called Osama Island, and the state had opened it up. It was owned by a very wealthy private family uh, for generations, and they donated it to the state of Georgia, and the state <coughs> of Georgia opened that up uh, to parent-child hunts only, and so my, my dad took me, we ferried over, uh, and uh, took a tent, and um, yeah, it was just uh, just a, a, a milestone moment.
0: Uh, so there was no scouting beforehand, you took a tent? Went yeah, we took a tent,
1: tent. Uh, it was kind of crazy, it was like a, I don't know, just like a plantation day setting where they drove a tractor around with a big trailer on it and they drove into the camping area and everybody had to be up and ready to go you jumped on the trailer and uh, uh they drove you down these roads on this island and they said okay we need somebody we need a team out here and they'd go another half a mile a mile say All right, we need a team out here and Anyhow, was just uh, wild hogs, rattlesnakes, deer everywhere. Wild hogs, that
0: would kill you. Like, wild hog would kill you, wouldn't it? Well,
1: I don't know of any recorded deaths from wild okay. hogs, but, they, I mean, they can be temperamental. Okay. Uh, nothing that lead can't fix. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think that what was funny is before uh, I actually took my first deer that day, uh, there was a, a wild Donkeys out in there, and we didn't realize it, but we had we had found us a island. Yeah, yeah, there was all kinds of wild animals. So we, so we actually found an open area, and we kind of hunkered down by this big live oak tree with big limbs and Spanish moss hanging from it, and deer sign everywhere, and from out of nowhere, right when it got daylight, this. This donkey brayed behind us. and I mean, it just got me <laughs> and scared us to death. It was loud. You know? really? So anyhow, yeah, man. So uh, a spike buck walked up, and uh, I had a Remington 1100 shotgun that my dad had bought me the Christmas before, and uh, shot the deer, and nice. like, that was it. The only thing that was kind of bittersweet to the whole thing is when uh, when we were picked up that evening they dropped out all day we took Uh lunch when we were picked up that evening there was uh an eight-year-old girl i had killed a spike but there was an eight-year-old girl who had killed like this ten point it was (laughs) about 17 inches wide and, uh, and weighed about I don't know, probably sixty-five pounds. That's how
0: big those deer were. On the island. Yeah, so <laughs> it's really so, so a good wow. shot to kill a deer. Yeah. Uh,
1: anyhow, so, so that's were not, nice. they
0: were literally legitimately small deer. Oh yeah, they're
1: they're small. I mean, they I mean they they can have relatively big horns, but yeah, the bodies are yeah just that's small. Awesome.
0: So, but now you're a turkey guy, right? If I somehow I've heard. I'm later. a
1: novice at best. Okay. Yeah, I've killed a few turkeys since we've lived here, but uh, now my son Hunter, he's a he's a really good turkey hunter,
2: but. Okay, mm-hmm. me, me, me a novice. <laughs> okay, so
0: let's hear it first. White
2: tail. First white tail. So I was probably ten with my dad. Uh, again, uh, dad took me out, and uh, it was. I remember the season. It was. Uh, it was my first season, and it was pretty sweet because it just required me to just get up, get in the stand, but then I could go back to sleep, mm-hmm. and then dad would just wake me when the deer come. Mm-hmm. But uh, got to the end of the uh, the the first season and uh, we always, we were at Flam's Orchard. Okay. And kind of how it always went if you didn't fill your tags by the end, because we all had this big deer camp. Did
0: Flam's, So they give permission to people, in, like local people to hunt
2: there? Uh, well, I'm, so my my mom's sister married a, uh, one of the, Okay. So my uncle Alan Flam. Oh, uh, fantastic. Yeah, so okay. kind of got like an
0: inside track. Yeah, that's great. And when you're at an orchard, they want probably the deer to be shot, so they're not eating all
2: the fruit and... Yeah, yeah, that's also. certainly the case for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, kind of how the deer camp always worked, that if you get to the end and nobody's filled the tag, those who have filled the tag kind of do what's called a drive. So they kind of get on one end and just start working their way and they drive the deer to you. So I remember sitting under a, I don't know if it was an apple tree or a peach tree, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a buck. Right. But uh, that was my first white tail. Okay. it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. it's fun.
0: I got in the hunt last year. We talked a little bit about yeah. that, but man, has it been fun. I've got an opportunity to go bear hunting. It's a standing offer up in Minnesota in a no quota area. So you just have to buy an over the counter tag for bears, 230 bucks. And I've got property come and an invite to go. And so I'm hoping to go. I'm hoping to start an annual bear trip. And I was say the fun. If you had a, if you were able to listen to the conversation between my wife and I, it's like you know, honey, we could have this, this, you know, this bear skin right on our bed. You know, I mean, we wouldn't put the head on our, you know, on the, the top of the bed. We put it at the foot of the bed, and her eyes just got so big. Like, why in the world would you ever want to do that? And I was like, Oh, know, honey, she wasn't on board. She didn't she jump on board. She oh man, that's weird. I was like, you know, so maybe. Why in the world would you not want to do it? <laughs> Okay. Um, Before we get into another, I want to add another thing in here, is I want people to be exposed to co pastoral ministry. And so when you said that, I thought this is a great opportunity to talk about that because we do that at our church as well. If if you were to ask our other pastors who is the quote unquote lead pastor, they would say me. Mm -hmm. But if you were to ask me and just the way I talk about uh, our church, I say I call them co pastors. We talk about co pastoral ministry. How um, how's that work for you guys? And I know it's easier to get at a pastoral level with, with co-pastors working together. and sometimes harder to communicate that to a congregation who's typically, especially in the Southern Baptist world, used to, this is the lead pastor. Here's the deacon board. So how has co-pastoral ministry worked here with you guys and then with the congregation as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that, um, you know, certainly like on Sunday morning, the churches used to seeing me. Primarily in the pulpit, Um, but at the same time as this church is being led, uh, you know, I lean in on Matt for his you know leadership and the skills that he brings that complement that that I don't possess, and uh, and then you know we 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 lead. Together, we lead our fellowship together, and uh, Matt's been uh, like probably the most instrumental part of our team. He and I together uh, with uh, bringing on and, and putting together and seeing our, our elder body established. So, those, those are just um, you know, certainly like on Wednesday night, Matt kind of heads up the preaching ministry Great. with the elders, and uh, so he he preaches, he guides them every other wednesday night and then one of the other elders the other wednesday night and matt's kind of leading that team
0: um, now with, okay so how many elders total are there here at the church well including the vocational elders matt and i there's seven mm-hmm. okay now do you do a distinction do you even say lay elders staff elder or anything like that or is there any i mean for, I mean, whether it's formal or not i mean there is a distinction mm-hmm. you guys are vocational and mm-hmm. they're not uh with the church so yeah, what so we're responsible, t- obviously, because we've got the time. We're responsible mm-hmm.
1: to carry the load of, of leadership. Uh, but as far as the equality uh, of of input, mm-hmm. uh, we we see that to be the same, the yeah.
2: exact same. Um, would you agree with that? Matt? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, and I think in our constitution, there's we have a distinction between uh, full
0: time and or vocational, vocational elders and right. non-vocational elders. Mm-hmm. So the exact same work, but to different degrees. Correct, Yeah. yep. So did you guys write the constitution or a collection of, of leadership here at the church and, and now you've got it where you, where you guys like it. Mm-hmm. One of the things we've talked about as a church is trying to create a, almost like a dead document for the constitution, get it good, get it how you want it, and have the constitution itself appeal to the authority of the scriptures. To where you don't have a group of people all all the time pulling out the Constitution and saying you know but the Constitution says mm-hmm. to where the, the scriptures are really and at a practical level seen as authoritative in the life of the body. So how did the church respond to that? Like, has the church responded well to co pastoral ministry and and to uh, the transition from probably when you got here? I'm assuming there was a pastor and deacon board. Yeah. Is that how it was? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the church has amazingly responded. Um, I think that. Um, that the onus that we had was just to, you know, show them what the biblical model for church leadership is, and then in some ways I would I would have to say that we were acting in that model, even maybe not consistent with our constitution that we came in on. Okay, uh, we were acting in a in a biblical model of of leadership. Uh, you know, which is not an elder-ruled model as much as it is an elder-led model, and that preserves the autonomy of the church, Mm -hmm. as I see it in Scripture, where the church has recourse, you know, in the event that there was a rogue elder body Mm -hmm. to demand of them, okay, show us the impetus from the word of these directions that we're going. And they saw that modeled in many ways, and they saw how it worked, and they saw how we were able, you know, to accomplish things without, you know, without the bickering, without the indecisiveness, and yeah. and, and, and and they were like, man, this is this is glorious, this is yeah. freedom, this is fresh air. We've been waiting on this. So we're, we're and not it, voting on hammer turkey for the and, and exactly. Do, right? And the right. thing about it was, it wasn't what I brought necessarily, or what Matt brought. It's what God's Word brought. Yeah. I mean, we were just doing it like we saw it, and everybody was like, this is working. And we said, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what this looks like yeah. as we outline it constitutionally. And so we, we revamped. And, and, and you can imagine, you know, again, what it is to, to see a 100-plus-year-old Southern Baptist church uh, in, in what, what many people would consider turn on a dime.
0: mm mm-hmm.
2: um, and uh so anyhow yeah and that was a I mean that was a process too I mean it was applauding and being faithful I mean mm-hmm. they're not going to just do it because we said it I mean they wanted to to, to trust us mm-hmm. to know that we do love them and want what's best for them and best for the church uh, this isn't this is not uh, a sense to, of, of overtaking but to get in line with the scriptures right and mm-hmm. so uh, I think it was about about five years mm-hmm. and and um, but yeah, so it, it's been good. It's been nothing short of the mercy of the Lord. Oh yeah, absolutely. Lord, okay. Of, of so we built like a million dollar worship <clears throat> facility
1: without a building committee. That's great. So yeah. who does that in the Southern Baptist Church? Right. And and I mean, and we did it in the first year. Mm-hmm. I've like been three months, and
0: um, which is typically not what happens when you go and oh, you yeah, know, that, that breaks all it it the is. rules. I mean, yeah. the, the seminary That's rules are you know good. you
1: don't change nothing your first year, period. Right. But we just had a need and God. Had the provision made ready, and uh, and yeah, one of the one of the cool things too was that we um, so we worked with our leadership, our deacon body, because deacons like elders are men filled with the Spirit. So we said, okay, so this is this is what we've been doing, this is how the it's worked. Why don't we bring our constitution in line with what we're doing? Yeah. And so that's essentially what, and everybody's like, okay, well that makes sense. And so everybody, you know, with very few exceptions was on board. Um, And and then we, so we drafted it with the help of of the deacons. Okay. Led by Matt and I from the scripture. And then we presented it. And it took a while, it Mm -hmm. took months to draft it. Then we presented it to the church. We let them take it home. We let them read it, I don't know, a week or two. Mm-hmm. And then we had a Sunday night where we just, Matt and I got on stage, sat in a chair, each of us had a mic, and we just said, ask your questions, let's talk. That's good. Let's talk. Let's talk as a body of believers. Um, express your concerns you can be pointed just just be godly you know be godly respect and they were and uh, and some of the questions were pointed and by god's grace the sufficiency of the scripture gave us answer you know it wasn't like we were having to off the top of our head come up with something and so uh and not only did it have a you know an ecclesiastical sense in that this is how we're doing it now but it also had a theological or or soteriological sense Mm -hmm. in that this is also what we believe. So we we included in that um, an an honest assessment of where our convictions were as the elders of the church, and that was that we believe in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 seen through the lens of the abstract of principles. That's good. And so, you know, because... Uh, You know, there's there's a lot of generalities there that you could really say. Well, I don't know which
0: direction we're going to go with Article Ten or whatever. Right. So anyhow, okay, it's helpful, very helpful. Okay. So I want to think through with you guys, just have a discussion on three big categories, and we'll move through through them progressively. And I want to get our people, uh, the people who are listening, to be thinking through the inerrancy and sufficiency of Scripture, taken seriously and applied to three big situations. Number one, the gender confusion of our day that's happening in the world and in the church, including egalitarianism and soft complementarianism, all the conversations that are continuing to go. Amy Byrd just came out with her book, uh, Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Uh, it's just a, a soft complementarianism kind of thing that's really egalitarianism masked with uh, trying to you know, bait people into stop being mean and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so as it's applied to the gender confusion in the world and the church, And then, moving forward to let's talk about COVID. I've heard pastors say that we really don't have the ability to speak to these things. And I'm like, we have the scriptures, and the scriptures aren't silent on anything. I mean, there's at least uh, guidelines on who gets quarantined, on when to obey God rather than man, on when there's too much power, that the authority that the state is abusing, uh, what's a Romans 13 situation, what's an Acts 539 situation. So the scriptures do speak to this, and we have the word, so we have to speak to this. And then, Finally, the uh, issues that are going on in our our world regarding race, racism, so called systemic racism. When I say so called, my my cards again are already on the table where you know where I'm at at on this. Um, So let's apply the authority of the word or the inerrancy of the word and the sufficiency of the word to these three situations gender confusion. All right, I'll give the scenario. What's the big deal? We're all created in the image of God. you know why does it matter sexual ethic why does the church have anything to say about that um, you know let's just say I'm, a, I'm an egalitarian hey are not we just all supposed to be Christ-like what's all this business talking about being a man and being a woman what's the big deal here what's the what's what really does God really say you know Jesus after all never even speaks about homosexuality uh, so what's the big deal about all this what's our response back as the church to the world and to uh, and to uh, those who put themselves under the banner of Christian, what does the word have to say about all this? What is the implications of the inerrancy and the sufficiency of Scripture in those discussions? Matt?
2: Well, <clears throat> first, want to read Psalm 19, okay. verses uh, 7, 8, and 9 that says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then they these things are to be desired more than gold, even fine gold. But what
0: if that goes against the popular opinion of the day, man?
2: What what if it does? so well, if we, God's law goes against what, yeah, what d- we think. I don't care. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't care. So that's the thing. So here we have this. That hurts my feelings. I understand that, and uh, and I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know you.
0: <laughs> but
2: here's the thing. So in the beginning, God created, and He created all things, and He created all things good, and. We go back to the very mandate itself uh, that as image bearers, male and female, we have been created to represent our creator as image bearers. That we are to, uh, to take dominion over this earth, to work the earth, to, um, to multiply, to, uh, to raise up godly seed. And that happens within the institution, the God ordained institution of the family, marriage, as He has defined it, as He has established it, and that is male, female, uh, and and so. What so you're I, saying that God has actually defined marriage. He has defined marriage. He I mean, has defined gender. So my my answer to all of the to all of these issues that you just raised is that one god is not silent on these issues he has clearly instituted everything that we've talked about he speaks to all of it and he has defined all of it so it is the it is of the utmost importance that the christian is to speak and use the categories and definitions wherein god has uh, established these things Mm -hmm. um i we all have our presuppositions we all have uh, certain understandings and, and pre-commitments that we bring to every conversation. Mine is, in the beginning, God. Mm-hmm. And that God has spoken. And so, therefore, what I bring is, what has God said? And to know that if God has said it, then period. It's done, it's over with. It's done, it's over with. And, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not, I'll have the conversation but I'm not, going to, I'm not going to bring in some type of other authority. Mm-hmm. So this is my authority. This is where I'm at. Um, I'm not going to change on
0: the, uh, on the authoritative word. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you guys see a growing... I'll use the word embarrassment. Okay? A growing embarrassment among those who credibly would say they believe in the sufficiency and the inerrancy of Scripture... Do you see a growing embarrassment about what God has to say about gender, sexuality, marriage, roles of men and women, home, church? or is that Yeah,
1: just a, a, absolutely. You, you know, kind of uh, segueing off of Matt's comments. You know, it, maybe at a more philosophical level. I mean, the, the question is: Is there truth? Okay. Period. Mm-hmm. Is there is there truth? And. That, that leads to another question. Uh, if if you agree that there is truth, it, to say that you reject the idea of truth is to reject any kind of rational anything, mm-hmm. you, even your existence, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even the conversation. I mean, so, but but to but to embrace the reality of truth, the next the next question is okay. So what so what is your truth? Mm-hmm. What, what 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 standard are you operating out of? And if truth is absolute, and it is, and if it transcends every culture and every era, uh, and it does, then it has to be above and beyond, supernatural, the material world, and it's rooted and can be rooted in nothing other than the transcendent being of God. And if that is so, for us to know that, He has to reveal Himself to us. Yeah. And that's what God has done in His Word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I mean, we will. We Matt says His. The scriptures are our authority. They are, this goes to the idea of inerrancy. Mm-hmm. And again, at a philosophical level, the question, the question is, you, can, you bring whatever you wanna call your truth and I'll compare it to what God has revealed and I promise you, your truth will not stand. It is not truth, yeah. because truth is not an ideology. We talk about this a lot, but truth is a person. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and, and the life. And so to know anything truly, God has to reveal that and God has revealed that. And we're not embarrassed about that claim, mm-hmm. that this is the revelation of God, because it alone fits the criteria of a philosophically sound argument mm-hmm. for truth. Yeah. So A, B, we say that God has not only spoken, but God's uh, spoken clearly. Yeah. And we say sure. this often, and that is we don't know God fully, but we know God truly. Mm-hmm. What God has revealed, we know. So, God has made it clear yeah. that, that, you know, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I mean, that's that's clear, there's no confusion. Jesus reiterates that. Yeah. Not only reiterating the principle, but affirming the authority, yeah. wherein the principle is found mm-hmm. in, in, in the Word. So, you know, I would say that, um, you know, that for us to quote the embarrassed, uh, about what what God has said might be the height of pride and arrogance oh, and audacity. Man. Who are who are we? Who are you, yeah. old man? Let God be true, mm-hmm. and let every man be a liar. Yeah. And so, and, and, and as we move from this idea of inerrancy, and you know, just barely touching the surface, you know, we go back to what Paul would tell Timothy. Matt wrote a scripture, so I'm going to read mine. Go for it. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know, in verse 16. You know, all scripture is inspired, breathed by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. There's my verse on sufficiency. Mm-hmm. That is, whatever comes across my desk whether it's a marriage in trouble, whether it's a teenager out of bounds, whether it's an issue of policy in a church, whether it's uh, an issue of politics in the world, whether it's COVID, whether it's fill in the blank, mm-hmm. um, there is an answer in biblical principle Yeah that applies. Yeah. You know, whatever the question, Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And while that sounds, you know, kind of pedantic, the reality is that in his word, he has given us uh the right worldview mm-hmm. for every circumstance and setting that we will ever
0: encounter. Yeah, that's really good. And it's really helpful to speak in a clarity too because I think behind a lot of the public capitulation to modern narrative and everything that's going on with these issues with gender and sexuality A lot of theological um, nuance that I see coming from uh, highly educated, highly articulate leaders even within the denomination that we are part of is the theological nuance seems to be motivated by embarrassment of the clarity of what the text actually says, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, we just say what it says. God doesn't stutter. Why do we? And so we come up with these nuanced (coughs) versions that seem to soften the blow to where we think we can get the culture to say, oh... I finally get it. Yeah. Instead of just saying, well, "Here's what God has to say about it," it's not really that complicated. It's sufficient to address the issues that we face in our church, that your the, the teenage confusion that's facing you today. Mm-hmm. We just say what God says.
2: Yeah. You know, you talk about when after I read that, you you kind of you know. tongue-in-cheek said it hurts my feelings but you know uh we need some of that right like when 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 the lord uh broke me when i was 23 years old you know i needed those feelings hurt Mm -hmm. um and uh you know the scriptures uh, speak of themselves as the hammer that breaks the rock the refiner's fire right i mean dude it's gonna it's going to break you uh it's going to it's going to demolish your worldview. How, it's going to it's going to it is going to break you into pieces but it doesn't leave you there right yeah. it 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 reshapes you it reforms you it can mm-hmm. it it brings you to life mm-hmm. um those things have to be killed yeah right yeah. those things have to die uh in order to be reborn and so uh you know I hear, I hear what you're saying when you said my feelings hurt, but you, you, you might need to, to mortify those yeah. feelings. But, and, and you know, and you know to,
1: to be faithfully pastoral, I mean, we have to constantly hold this before our people, and that is not only is God's Word true, but God's Word is good. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who take refuge in him. You know, a preacher friend of mine and Matt's, uh, Brother Mike Fraser, shout out, of Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he said something years ago that, that stuck in my mind, and I, I quote him often. Um, but he said, You know, the ultimate failure of faith is to fail to believe that God's word and will for us is good. Hmm. That's the ultimate failure of faith, to fail to believe that God's word and will for us is good. It's good to us. It's good for us. The commandments of the Lord are good. They're not burdensome, Paul said, Yeah. you know, um, and I, I think that our appeal pastorally is to say, listen, this is, God's word is not just true. Yeah. It's
0: good. And you the, know, best, the best sort of good, good as God defines it, not sentimentality. Oh, absolutely. Not precious yeah. moments good. Yeah, absolutely. That the world kind of fluffy, you know, yeah. whatever I want from yeah. God kind of
1: good. good is life. Yeah. Good yeah. is life and liberty and wholeness and victory and Amen. sin is death and darkness and... and and all the D words, drudgery,
2: yeah. and, and <laughs> despicable, <Yes. laughs> and we can just go on. But yeah, I mean, what is good, ultimate good, is Christ-likeness, right? Yeah, God is good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and all of, all of Christ, mm-hmm. not just uh, the the parts of Christ that we like.
0: Okay. All of Christ. so we're all in agreement. The scriptures are sufficient to address the, the questions that the world has and the church has about gender, sexuality, marriage, all of that. Agreement. Thumbs up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about COVID for a little bit. Okay. Um, this is going to be coming out in August. Things change so much, and it's only the first day of July today, right? July the first. And uh, happy July. Yes, yeah. we're halfway through 2020 now. Ordered my deer permits last night. Did you really?
1: Last day of the second lottery. <laughs> okay. See, I didn't know. I need to go up there and get some. So you got. So, so, so you've got. got so so here's the deal. You've got one more lottery left. It's the third lottery. Okay. And you need to get in on it. Okay, I'll go to Walmart after this. But that
0: It, it won't open for another month. Okay. So Okay, stay. So I got to make sure I get that. My goal is to shoot two deer this year. One with my bow in my yard. I'm going to put a blind up in my yard. Yeah. There you go. And get one. Yep. And then I'm actually growing about half an acre up in the yard because I'm wanting to get some rabbit this this fall. Oh, geez, yeah. shoot some you rabbits. are. And you are a hateful person. I've already seen <laughs> them. I've already seen them walking through. You don't even know. You don't even know
1: what's off limits for podcasts. <laughs> I know right. <laughs> I uh, so and then squirrel. I'm
0: going to be hunting school this year for the first time, which yeah. everybody's all right with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Rats and healthy. trees. Yeah. So and then I'm going to start hunting. Puppies later. In I sort of say. I
2: mean, you know, we're, we're puppies and puppies and the elderly. Hey, I just want to tell you this, man. I just want to tell you this. You better uh, this uh, forewarning, man.
0: Uh, I don't know. You've
2: been you've you been duck hunting yet? I've not, but I've got a guy. That's you better team watch team. it when you get those ducks in your
0: blood, man. It's game I mean, over. Just, no, was, it I is. For, It'll make you
1: waste precious right. time. Okay,
0: speaking of precious time, let's let's get all on here. Okay. COVID. Uh, it seems to me there's several categories that the state has commanded which God has forbidden or forbidden which God has commanded. And I've heard pastors tell me I don't have the uh, expertise or the authority to speak into the issues that surround COVID, the pandemic. And I really was left with my jaw open. Well, who would we live in such an expertise culture that nobody feels that they can speak to anything? And even pastors now who are like, well, let's just see what the news says. and We'll follow that. Um but we've been told we can't gather for worship. We've told that we can't visit the sick, lay hands on the sick. We've been told that we can't greet each, each other with a holy kiss. Modern application: handshake, hug, bro hug, whatever you want to call it. I mean, if you wanted a brotherly kiss on the cheek or something, I don't know. When I mean, you're in France, I guess that that'd be okay. But but uh, brotherly contact, we've been told we can't do that. Um, and these are just a few categories that I've thought through that okay, that we can't uh, pro- for many people provide for their family. First Timothy chapter five eight says. A man doesn't provide for his household; he's uh, relatives for he's, he's worse than an unbeliever. in the state's saying to a lot of people, "You can't do that." Um, so the scriptures seem to be sufficient for the church as well to know how to address a pandemic. What do the scriptures have to say about a quote-unquote? And this is really not a pandemic when you look at the statistics and the numbers. This is not the Spanish flu. Uh, when your life expectancy is very close to the, the modern day flu, I don't want to minimize anybody who's got it, but come on, people think like, uh, but. How how do we approach this biblically in light of what the government is saying, what the CDC is saying? How do we think through this biblically, understanding the inerrancy and the sufficiency of Scripture?
1: Yeah, I I would say that we have two things in God's Word that we're trying to marry together in harmony. There is Christ's command to love your neighbor Mm -hmm. as yourself. I certainly don't want to jeopardize my neighbor with a life-threatening illness mm-hmm. because of some type of bravado or provocation in me. Yeah. But at the same time, I've got a command where I'm not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to faithfully marry these truths by the spiritual wisdom uh, for the glory of God. And so, so when this thing first hit, i mean we were all given gloom and doom man oh, yeah. i mean i mean one out of four is going down it's going yeah. to be bad and you know so i don't want i don't want i i'm not a i'm not an epidemiologist mm-hmm. you know i'm not a scientist i you know didn't even spend the night at the holiday inn or whatever the cliche <laughs> whatever the cliche is but so i mean i'm listening i'm, I'm listening okay I don't, I don't want to be that guy you know yeah. so i'm listening and, 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 and I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning in on, you know, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks. you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to hurt somebody uh, physically. And I think that is a command to love your neighbor. So, but after the weeks turned into months and as the data began to pour in mm-hmm. and as you were faithfully, you know, if, if you faithfully as a preacher will pull your head out of the sand pay attention to what's going on, you can discern with biblical principles mm-hmm. where the next step is. Yeah. So we kept listening and and then we kept watching. And and, and, and you know and the sources of who we watch, this they're always suspect. I mean you just don't know who you can trust. I mean what what what's what agenda's politically motivated by this new recommendation. And we saw all kinds of things. We saw the numbers not be what they said they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing them count COVID deaths. Even today, if you get hit by a van
0: mm-hmm.
1: on Frontage Street and you're known to have COVID, it's a COVID death. And I, I mean, nobody's denying that either. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just a redneck theologian country boy and I'm sitting there going, I can, I can figure that out. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's inaccurate <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in, in determining what the cause of death is. And then we have not only that, but we've got the moving of the goalpost. Mm-hmm. See, so, so where we first started was, you know, we want to flatten the curve so that the the, the need doesn't outrun the supply of medical beds and right. you know, medical equipment, and so, so forth, so Now the goalpost's been moved by the recommendations, at least in our state, that we don't want to open up until we have a vaccine, right. and then another vaccine, mm-hmm. and then a third vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, So 99 point something percent of all people that get COVID recover. Yeah. 87 point something percent of people recover without any kind of medical intervention. Mm -hmm. So if the seven people who are gonna get COVID across the state of Illinois and die this year, the seven people, if they happen to get it because we've opened up in uh, First Baptist Church Compton and, and the seven people all come out of First Baptist Church Compton I can still say that we were responsible
0: yeah.
1: with the data that we had, with mm-hmm. the fact of the cases that we have in our church, zero. If that were to happen, worst case scenario, according to the statistics, we have still been responsible as we sought to love our neighbor. Amen. We can hold out these statistics. And so that—that's all that we—I have to go on. Yeah, um, that's good,
0: very good.
2: And this simple uh, biblical uh, principle and law of quarantine. This mm-hmm. is the only uh, we see uh, uh, God's law talking about quarantining mm-hmm. the sick. Yeah, this is completely opposite. This is the only quarantine that I've ever seen where you quarantine the healthy. Yeah, uh, I'm like, well, and so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been wild. It has, been very, it has been, been, been very,
0: very wild. So did you guys did you <clears throat> listen to the episode with Matthew Trella, the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates mm-hmm. episode? Did you happen to listen to that or I anything? Um, I interviewed the guy who wrote a, a really good book on, on the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And it was a fascinating conversation. It was very helpful. But through this all, I've heard people say, well, we're still." they're not saying that we can't preach the gospel. But the state is making judgment calls about what is essential and what is not essential. And Correct. in my mind, we've got to you know, open our eyes a bit and fight not just for the freedom to preach the gospel over the internet, but to obey God in all of our life. The scriptures have given us commands, not just to proclaim the gospel, not just the Great Commission. Even with the Great Commission, it requires contact. I yes. mean, there was no internet when the Great Commission was given. Yeah. And so there, at some point, we have to say there are bigger categories than just proclamation of the gospel to obey God rather than man, mm-hmm. and then determine... Okay, if they're going to ask us, you know, hey, for the next three weeks you can't meet, and we promise, then never again. But when it just keeps getting extended and extended and extended, at some point, faithful pastors have to say, I'm either going to obey God, or I'm going to lead my people into willful disobedience to God, and let them, empower them to not not gather together, empower them to continue to disobey God, and call it good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's important. Okay, then, let's just, this is going to be really quick. There's one human race... Yes. We have different ethnicities, different colors of skin. Correct. But there's just one human race. What unites the human race in a fractured human race that has contention, different colors of skin, different cultural backgrounds? What on earth could possibly unite us? Wouldn't it be great if there was something that God did that could bring us together as family and disarm the anger, the animosity that we have to each other disarm the entitlement that we have back and forth in each other. I wish God would just do something that would cause us to put our arms around each other and say, brother, I love you and I don't demand anything from you and I owe nothing to you except love. Wouldn't it be nice if God just would do something about that and that the Word would just give us some sufficient answer and some authoritative word that we could just take and hold on to? <clears throat>
1: So this is like a really slow moving softball. Yeah, like, <laughs> so man don't sleep, I would say don't don't, me, don't go don't no, too I'm going to say
2: so I'm going to speak to one part of this and read a scripture and then I'll I'll have you uh, knock it out of the park. All the the entire human race are united first and foremost in that we are all created in the image and likeness of God. And so therefore, all being created in the image and likeness of God, we uh, have meaning, purpose, value, uh, equal purpose, dignity, and value being created in the image. Um, that image is broken, broken by sin, uh, nature, by our own sinful nature uh, that is expressed in sinful action and uh, and even a creation Uh, That is has been broken
0: by So we're united in our dignity as being created in the image of God and we're united in our rebellion against God. Absolutely. Okay. Good. I'm I'm agreeing. I'm just... Yeah, absolutely.
2: Now, speaking to uh, that, now your question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 14 through 18 says this. um, Speaking of Christ... Now, let's go back to verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you are, ...who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, through Christ, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. He can talk about this but that is the answer to the question.
0: Yeah, and does it matter the color of the skin of the person who reads and preaches that? Because question? of
2: how my uh the outer uh man re- uh, reacts to the sun has nothing to do with it.
0: It's true no matter what. It's true no matter, no who matter who what. Reads it, no matter who preaches it. No matter what experiences we do or don't have when we approach that text. That text gives us the answer. Absolutely. Amen.
1: Yeah, there's a mantra, you know, in the movement now. No justice no peace when the reality is no jesus Mm -hmm. no peace Uh, i think three times the word or for peace is used in that passage that you read and it's reiterated in romans chapter five um, this is a description of the new man new in christ the new creature it says therefore having been justified by faith this is romans 5 1 having been justified by faith we now have peace with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is the reason that we live in a restless world, the reason that we live in a broken world that displays itself in all kinds of lawlessness and hate is because we have an enmity against God in our natural man. And not only do we have an enmity towards God, but God's wrath abides on the, the lost man.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and, and the reality is that that, that animosity is gonna be perpetuated in every horizontal relationship because it's ultimately perpetuated in our vertical relationship. Mm-hmm. Now everybody wants peace, I mean, you can't you can't ask a soul who who doesn't want peace. Yeah. Um, but I've heard it said before. I mean, I mean, we we think about that passage uh, uh, where we're told, um, was it Philippians four six? Um, you know, and uh, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God, and He will grant you the peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Everybody wants the peace of God. But you cannot have the peace of God until you're at peace with God. Amen, that's good. And to be at peace with God is to bow before his son. Mm -hmm. And as Psalm 2 says, to kiss the son. Amen. Uh, And we are to kiss the Lord Jesus in repentance Mm -hmm. and and, turn to him in faith. And and what does that that new man look like in the end game? Um, You know, you see, Uh, in in Revelation 5 what John sees and uh, I think this is just an awesome uh, just an awesome picture of the glory of God and and he says in Revelation 5 and 6 he says and I saw between the, the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth and he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue. Every people in every nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they, men from every tongue, every tribe, every race, and they will reign upon the earth. Amen. That is racial reconciliation. Amen. Uh, did Jesus try to do that or did he actually do it? He has done it. Amen. <laughs> and uh, he
0: is accomplishing what he is. Accomplished. Amen. Hey, guys, this was fun. Thanks so much. Let me come down. I think our listeners will enjoy this. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank Thanks for having us. us. We enjoyed it.
1: it. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.